What are the characteristics of the early church? And we can use those interchangeably because the church is just a big group of believers. So obviously if the believers have these characteristics, these marks, right, the church should also have these characteristics or marks to distinguish us from the world. And we've been talking about being generous. We've been talking about this idea of koinonia, the family, the community aspect, having everything in common. We've been talking about boldness. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And all this stuff has been centered around the gospel, right? The gospel is going forth all through Jerusalem right now. And in the next coming weeks, we'll see it spread into Judea and the rest of the world. And t- today's story for me was kind of, or today's passage was kind of hard for me to preach because I preached um, a few weeks ago in chapter 3 and it was almost identical to this story. And so it made it even harder for me. It, but it did have different things. It had some different nuances. Um, and, and, and really, in Acts chapter 5, where we are today, it really is a hinge chapter in the book of Acts. Because up to this point, the church has been able to do its thing pretty much unhindered. They've been able to go and preach and do all these miracles, but today we're going to see that, well, the religious uh, leaders of the time are starting to turn up the heat a little bit, and, and we're starting to enter the, the time of persecution uh, in the book of Acts where it causes the church to spread. Um, and so going back to those characteristics, we're going to see characteristics today. Um, well, one characteristic of us as believers and the other characteristic of God. Because I think they really go hand in hand. So I, I think the apostles saw what God was doing and it helped to, to strengthen them to, to carry out this other characteristic that we're going to talk about today. So turn with me to Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Uh, and we're going to read all the way through 42. It's kind of a long passage today, but that's all right. There's lots of good stuff in there. Um, and at our church, some people are already doing it. We, we like to stand just to show respect. Just as we stand for the Pledge of Allegiance at sporting events to show respect for America, we stand to show respect to God's Word. Uh, Acts 5, verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, And filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the door. 
But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come, what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand and as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about four hundred, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some, some of the people after him. He too perished. And all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For, for this plan or this undertaking is of men, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called the apostles in, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that, that the Christ is Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. So like I said, there's two big things that I noticed when I was reading through this. First, God is faithful. God is faithful. And so, in order to, to get this, to, in order to understand this, we have to go back in our Bibles to when Jesus was alive. Back to Matthew, uh, chapter, chapter 10, verse 16. It says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, be wise as serpents and as innocent of doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. You guys hear that in the story today, right? You will be drugged into courts. You will be beaten for my name. See, Jesus prepared his disciples for this. They knew that this was coming. I mean, up to then, they really hadn't seen us. They were probably like, uh, all right, this is sweet. When's that bad stuff going to happen, right? Well, here we are. We're starting to see it. See, God talked about this years before they faced it. 
So this is proof that God is faithful. Once again, if you flip forward to uh, John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I choose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the world, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things will be will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. I don't know about you, but I'd be very, very nervous about following God, knowing that all this stuff, that everyone's going to hate me, they're going to beat me, they're going to drag me into courts, they're going to arrest me, they're going to do all this vile stuff to me, right? I mean, the guy told me this was going to happen, and now it's starting to happen. I mean, thoughts will start going through my mind like, uh, do I really want to do this? I mean, they kind of got to get out of free jail card here, right? And God said, go, go to the courts, or the angel said, go to the courts and preach about me. I would have been like, uh, yeah, I'm out of jail, and you want me to go stand here? I'm gone. I'm leaving the country, right? I want out of here. But we see the obedience of the disciples. They didn't run. They didn't hide. They were st- stayed there and they were obedient to what the angel told them and they were obedient to what, God told, what Jesus told them long ago. But why? Because they knew that God was faithful. And, and, and I mean, just as they saw the word of God coming true, we see this word with the word of God coming true every day in our lives. I mean, the Bible talks about the end times where more and more people will fall away from God, right? People will turn to teachers to teach whatever they want to hear to tickle their ears. And we see this every day. Church, we, we, we we can have confidence that God is truthful, that God... God's word will come to, to pass, just as he said it is. All this stuff in Revelations, even though we don't completely understand it, we know that that's going to come to pass. We can have confidence in our Lord and Savior that he is truthful, that he is faithful, that everything he says will come to pass. And I, and I believe that the knowledge of this that then leads to the characteristic I really want to focus in today. And that's obedience. Obedience to God. So one of the things of uh, doing an inductive Bible study is you observe the text. That's, that's where you start out. All right. And so um, as I prepare for a sermon, as I'm reading my Bible, I, I, can't, I read over and over and over and over again. And I'm looking for words that appear more than once. Or, or themes that appear in the text. And, and there's a lot of text here, and it's all over the place, but the one thing that I see over and over and over again is this theme of obedience. 
the early church was marked by obedience. I mean, we go, we go back to Jesus' words. He says, what, stay in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes. The disciples, they stay there in Jerusalem and they wait for this Holy Spirit. And once the Holy Spirit comes upon them, then they go forth and they start being his witness. And they start telling everybody the wonderful things that they've seen, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who, who was killed, was raised back to dead by God, and now is the sacrifice, now is sitting at the right hand of God, is paid for our sins and is the mighty ruler. And they're obedient to this message no matter what. Second time they've been arrested for this message. First time was just a slap on the wrist, hey, don't do that, stop it, that's annoying. But this time, y'all, they were flogged. This is the same beating that Jesus Christ took before he was crucified. And, and I can't help but notice, too, the parallels uh, of the apostles' story here, which is just between Jesus' life, right? Jesus comes on the scene, he starts healing some people. All these people start coming to him and going, man, this guy is awesome. This guy is great. And then the religious leaders go, I don't know about this guy. Did you tell him he could do this? No, did, did you tell him he could do this? Okay, he's unauthorized. All right, pull him in here. Right? And they pull Jesus in. They start calling him all kinds of nasty names. They call him the devil even. And, and it progressively gets worse and worse and worse, Right? because they've just arrest Jesus, or they try to arrest Jesus, but they couldn't arrest Jesus because it wasn't his time yet. But then the persecution started, and they keep trying to trap him and trap him and trap him, and eventually they arrest him. They bring him in, they flog him, and they crucify him. And, and as we're about to see in the next coming weeks, that the, the persecution is just going to keep getting stepped up and up and up and up and more and more and more, for these apostles. And as we continue on, we'll continue to see that these apostles are obedient. They don't waver. They don't back down. Just keep, keep going, keep going. And I think it's interesting to, to you know, if we look at uh, Gamaliel's response here, who coincidentally is the teacher of the Apostle Paul. He was like the rabbi of rabbis back in the day, right? And so he, he discipled Paul, who were, or Saul, um, who will become Paul, right? And his response, though, though I don't believe that Gamaliel was a believer in Jesus Christ, we can look back and see how profound his response is, right? If, if this thing is of God, we can't stop it. But if this thing is of man, it's going to come to nothing. Just, just look at all the other crazy people out there who get excited about something, and then it just fizzles out, comes to nothing. And, and we see this all the time today, right? People get super excited. Oh, we got to save the whales. Oh, we got to stop using plastic bags in Wichita. Oh, we, right? They get excited, but then it just kind of fizzles out because it's not empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not empowered by God. It's not a mission of God. And I have to think that 
I mean, their obedience is not just in the, the trust that God is faithful. Man, how much do you think they believed their message? I mean, they were willing to be beaten for their message. They don't go, oh, woe is us. They go, hey, praise God, woo, woo, right? We're worthy. We are worthy to be called Jesus' disciples. So they obediently continue to just preach the word in the temple, from house to house. It's just, this obedience amazes me because I know that in my heart, I can't be this obedient. I, I get nervous. I mean, I, I can think of a, a specific time when I was in college. I used to go down to um, the Smoky Mountains or somewhere in Kentucky, and I used to go hiking by myself. Really stupid, but I do it for spring break. Take a backpack, go out in the woods all by myself and hike. And I remember being really frustrated because I was hiking up this mountain, and I, I just, I was getting sick. Super sick. Don't know if it was altitude sickness. I, I don't know. Shouldn't have been, but I, I could just not go on any further. So I turn around and I start hiking back down so that I can just hike out. And I remember coming back to the campsite where I spent the night before, and there were some people coming in and setting up camp. So I said, hey, how you doing? La, la, la. And I went on my way. Continued down the mountain. And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit just said, Josh, you need to turn around and go back to those people and spend the night there at that campsite and tell them about Jesus. And I was like, God, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. It started raining. My feet were soaked. I was miserable. Absolutely miserable. It just, God would not leave me alone not leave me alone. So I was like, all right, God, I'm going to do this. And I turn around, and I start hiking back, and I was like, all right, see, God, I was obedient. And then I turned right back around and said, oh, this is one of those testing things. You just wanted to see if I'd be willing to go back. All right, well, I proved that I was willing. And I hiked down that mountain. Huge failure for me. Who knows what I missed out on? Because I was disobedient. And so as I, as I read this text this week, just, man, how often am I disobedient in my life? How often do I lose my anger? How often do I not spend time in the Word? How often do I choose not to tell people about Jesus Christ, even when it's a burning passion inside of me? Because it's not comfortable it's not fun. I just don't feel like it. I told the last 20 people I met about Jesus, why do I got to tell this one? And so conviction really came upon me this week of just, just how disobedient I am. And yet I face nothing that these guys face. I mean, let's face it, here in America, the worst thing someone can call you is crazy, right? Oh, you're just one of those crazy religious fanatics. 
Oh, I just... I mean, that, that's about the worst thing that we face here in America. And yet, we often just choose to be disobedient. We're not facing beatings. We're not facing floggings. We're not facing getting cut off so that we can't purchase groceries or excommunicated from our families. The church around the world, this stuff's taking place. And the church is growing dramatically because of it. Because these people continue to be obedient, to be obsessed with Jesus Christ because they've seen and they know what they've been saved from. So they are obedient to follow Christ at any cost. What about us? Are we? I mean, as we go this week and, and as our small groups this week, I mean, take time to, to examine yourself. Take time to think about this. What, what are the areas in your life that you need to surrender Christ in obedience. Your anger? Is it your finances? Is it just your life? Just, just surrender it and say, God, I have not put my faith in you. And I stand as a sinner condemned. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to surrender my life to you. Because notice that the gospel message that they preach to the leaders is putting God as the ruler of their lives. Back, back in chapter 3, they're saying there's no other name besides Jesus, right? But yet their gospel thing still, still contained the same elements in this one, right? So if we go back to, um, oh, let's see here, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men, which is the same as they did in chapter 3. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. And so this hanging them on a tree, that, that's a reference to being cursed, by the way. In the Jewish culture, it was a curse to be killed through crucifixion. And so he's saying, These, This guy you shamed, this guy you disrespected, this guy you killed, God has exalted him to the right hand hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins and we are witnesses of this thing and so the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those whom obey him and, and I reread this to emphasize that our obedience should come from this gospel message this great news that though we were cursed, though we were sinful, though we broke God's commands, Jesus Christ took all of that when he hung on the cross for us. He paid for our sin. He paid for our disobedience because he was obedient unto death. And then God raised him from the dead. Y'all, this has never happened before. Never before has a some, has the Son of God come to earth and died and been raised to life? If that doesn't motivate you to be obedient, I can't help you. I really can't. To think the God of all creation loves you so much, 
that he would send his son to die a horrible, painful death in your place. And all he says is, have faith in me. And I love just, just how he uses obey so much in here because I think for them, faith and obedience really went hand in hand. And we see this other parts of scripture. Don't, don't deceive yourself. Don't be uh, just readers of the word, but be doers of the word, right? Faith without works is dead, as James says. And so there's this idea of obedience follows faith. Our, our faith should lead us to obedience in all things in our life. And I know for me growing up, I had faith in Jesus Christ, so I thought, but there was no obedience. I said, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll say I have faith in you, but I'm not going to fully surrender my life. I'm not fully going to be obedient to your teachings. But then, when I was older, the gospel came real to me. That's when I realized that, you know what? I was screwed. I was screwed. And so my faith became real and, the, and my obedience quickly followed. So church, the, the, I would say that obedience is probably the most important characteristic of a believer. I mean, it was back then and it is today. Because everything else, the loving our neighbors, sharing everything we have, those are motivated out of love, but it's also obedience. Christ and God, they have commanded us to do these things. They've commanded us to go and seek the welfare of the city. They've commanded us to love you know, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So these are the commandments. And so as we obey these commandments, all that other stuff flows out of it. Really, church, that's all I got. <laughs> it, it just... Obedience. Simple concept. So hard. But just as we see God being sovereign here in this text and, and, and taking care of the, of the apostles by delivering them from... Not only does he deliver them from jail, but he really delivers them from death. Because, the, you know, the, the, San, the Sanhedrin, they wanted to kill these guys. They're like, we're done with these guys. We... We've already warned him once, boom. Right? How would you like to live in that legal system? One warning, then you're dead? Ugh. But anyways, God, working through Gamaliel, non-believer, delivers them from death. Think about that for a second, right? And I completely forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> now I remember. All right. So God... God is faithful. God is sovereign to protect these people. And, and I'm not a health and wealth gospel. I don't want to say, oh, obey God and he will bless you and, you know, make all your wildest dreams come true. But I guarantee there is a blessing in being obedient to God. I know 
of a family um, that I went to college with their kids, and, and they were missionaries in Africa. And the more I got to, to learn their story and just l- know who they were, it just impressed on me and just how big God is and, and just how wonderful God is and how true it is that God does bless people when, when they are obedient. So uh, he was a businessman, very, very wealthy businessman, um, working in the Grand Rapids area and just, just doing wonderful, kicking butt and taking names. And as he continued to, to follow Christ, more and more he sensed this calling to be a missionary in Africa. And, and it was a real struggle for him. Do I give up, you know, all this stuff, all the good I'm doing here because I mean, he, was, he was a Christian businessman, so he was able to bless missionaries, he was able to bless people financially, Right? God was asking him to give all that up to go live in Africa. And so he finally did so. He finally gave up and he, he chose to go be a missionary. So he went from making, you know, six figures a year to going around and asking people, hey, how would you like to give five bucks to, so I can go to Africa? I've raised support. It's, it's humbling, it's wonderful, but at the same time, it's no fun. And yet... Everything that they've been, all the hardships they've been through in Africa, he wouldn't change it for the world. Because he was obedient and followed Christ. God has done so much more for him. Not financial, not happy-go-lucky stuff. But I can't think of anything greater than having Christ. I can't think of anything better than being exactly where God wants me. Because when I'm not where God wants me, it's no fun. It's miserable. Having the Holy Spirit chasing you around to get you to where God wants you is no fun. And he will do it. Trust me. Think I'm joking? Just disobey God a few times. He'll show you. Don't disobey God. (laughs) But when I come back and I find myself being obedient to Christ, finding myself exactly where God wants me. There's just this sense of joy, there's this sense of peace, there's this sense of fulfillment that I think it truly is a blessing. And so, obey God in everything you do. But if you're going to obey Him, you've got to be in here. You've got to be reading this. I've read this Bible a ton of times. And you know what? When I open it up, God still has the ability to smack me right between the eyes and go, hey, dummy, stop that. Hey, dummy, remember, I love you. Just just put your faith in me, obey me. Life will be good. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for just this simple message to obey you. But Father, if we're honest, we don't want to. And the sinful nature is so alluring. So Father, we need you to do the divine work in us. We need you to soften our hearts so that we may obey you. Father, do whatever it takes break us so we will obey you. 
whether that's through your discipline, through tough circumstances, through blessing, whatever we need, Lord, break our hearts for you so that we may be obedient to you to go out to the world and be your witnesses so we may obey you and go and share the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, break our hearts. Make us your Play-Doh so that we may obey you. In your wonderful name, amen. We got done.